Welcome to Woodland Church. Here is today's message. Let's dive into the word today. We have been in a series called Who is This Jesus? And for the Christmas season, we have been exploring who Jesus is. And a couple weeks ago, we had looked at uh, back, way back at King David when Nathan the prophet uh, speaks to King David about how through him, through, through David's bloodline, that God was going to be establishing a kingdom that would have no end, and there would be a king on the throne for all eternity. And we spoke about how Jesus, that, this is who he is. He is the king that has come, the king that sits on his righteous throne for all of eternity. And then last Sunday, we jumped back to Matthew chapter 2, and we looked at the account of King Herod. And we looked at how when Jesus came, Jesus ushered in his kingdom, and his kingdom is at odds with, with man's kingdom. Herod did everything within his power to get rid of the newborn king. And we talked last Sunday how Herod knew. Herod absolutely 100% knew and believed that Jesus was the king of the Jews. And that is why Herod decided to uh, go and murder every single baby within Bethlehem. But we, we talked about how when God's kingdom came, it brings in, it brings in conflict with this world. Jesus, Jesus himself ushered in his new kingdom, and this world does not accept his kingdom. And we also just simply looked at how this has always been. Even with the Israelites in the Old Testament, they had rejected their king. And then the, the king of the Jews comes and they rejected him then. And then on his death on the cross, the words that they nailed above his head was the king of the Jews. Mankind has always rejected the authority and king of Jesus. Well, this week we are going to continue to be, to be talking about who is this Jesus and this week, we're going to go to the Gospel of John, starting in, in chapter 1, verse 1, and I'm going to ask you to stand as we read God's Word this morning. So we are in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, in verse 1, and we're going to read 1 through 14 this morning. The Word of God says this, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 6. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Let us pray. Father, as we come to you today, Lord, as we 
seek you as we look to your word. Father, I pray, Lord, that you will come and you will minister to our hearts and minds this morning. Lord, may we see your son more clearly today. Father, I thank you for this time together. And I ask this now in Christ's name. Amen. You guys may be seated. So if you've ever read the Gospels, which hopefully you have, and if you have not, I recommend starting today. But the Gospel of John opens up like no other Gospel account. It is interesting that in the Christmas season, we tend to, as we think about Christmas, as we think about the birth of our Savior, we look to the Gospels for those accounts, to Luke and especially to Luke and to Matthew here. But John does not open up like the rest of them. He does not open up with, with Mary. He does not open up with the wise men. There's no shepherds. Um, all of the things that we tend to think about at Christmas time, the star, the angels, there's no star, there's no manger, there is no angel speaking. In fact, he doesn't even focus on the birth of Christ at all. He doesn't go into the family history. He does not give any genealogy how, how Jesus is connected to David and David is connected to Abraham. But John opens up his gospel going back even further than the rest of them do. And as you have read these opening words this morning... Um, these opening words are a reflection from the first words of the entire Word of God, which uh, I got a quick quiz for you. Does anyone know the first words in the Bible? We're talking Genesis, Zion. I'm going to call on you. Your front row. Sorry, buddy. Sat up front today. In the beginning, <laughs> he was so close. He was so close. Genesis 1 1. In the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I want to talk briefly this morning before we kind of continue to dive into these verses here. Um, I want to talk about this word used here. And when I say word, I mean, I mean that double here, word lowercase. I'm talking about the word used here is word capital W, put on verse 1 back up there. It's a little bit of a tongue-tying thing here. The word, do you see that it's capitalized? All of your Bibles should have that word capitalized. I want to talk about that word. And that word in Greek is logos, which or logos, whatever way you want to be pr pronouncing it there. And I'm going to give you just a brief dive into this word, because this word is a fascinating word um, that was used within the Greek culture at this time. And in the, within the Greek world, this word had many different meanings. Um, it wasn't just one simple meaning to this word. Um, the Stoics understand logos to be the rational principle by which everything exists, which is the essence of the rational human soul. And as far as they were concerned, there was no other god than logos within th this, this word's meaning. But this word was used so much within Greek in my studies this past week, as I was uh, reading about this word, logos, which is word, um, in the first century, there was a writer by the name of Philio from Alexandria, and he used this word more than 1,300 times, and within his writings, the person reading wasn't always sure what he meant when he used this one simple word. 
in, in a very much general sense, the word, word, refers to inner thought or reason, or even a scientific thought. Some have even translated it as purely as reason. In the beginning was reason, is what some translations would be giving this out here. Now, I'm sharing all of this with you because within the Greek meaning, it had, a, it had many, uh, many usages for it, but for the most part, it was reason, and there was no other higher power than this word logos. But who wrote this gospel? John. If you don't know that, it's the title, Book of John. It says his name on it. Uh, John was not a Greek. He was born within the Greek uh, influence because Rome controlled this area at the time. But John was a Jew. John, when, when John wrote this, um, I believe John had, he was trying to appeal to not just to the Greeks, but also to the Hebrews at the time as well. And for the Hebrews, this idea of the word. In the Old Testament, the word, when God spoke, when his word was spoken, the Jews instantly knew the power and the might of the word of God. You can go all the way back to, to Genesis 1-3, which if you don't know Genesis 1-1, Zion, you want to memorize 1-3 here too, just to let you i got to pick on someone today. Anthony's not here yet, so that's for, that's for later. Genesis 1-3, and God said, let there be light. So what happened there? God spoke. God simply spoke his word, and creation takes place. Psalm 33-6, it says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. The word that God speaks, creation takes place. Now, mankind, there is power in the word. I believe it's um, Proverbs 18.21. It says, uh, within the words of man, there is life and death. Mankind does have some influence and some power within our words, but within God's word, when God speaks, when his word goes forth, creation takes place. And not just creation, but healing and deliverance from Psalm 107.20. It says, he sent forth his word and healed them. He didn't even have to even show up, just his word. The might of God's word can be sent forth, and he, he, it says that he healed them and delivered them from their destructions. And look at Ezekiel 33.7. When God spoke his word to the prophets, it says this, so you, son of man, I have made a watchman for the house of Israel, Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. John understood that the word of God, physically, God's word, God's voice, God's speaking, that there is so much power and so much might within his word. And what John does here in the opening section of the gospel of John, in John 1.1, he is tying so many things together within this one verse. And I just wanted, for you who care about theology and, you know, Greek and all of that fun stuff, it's, it's so fascinating that as you study this, it's like, what is John trying to be saying here? What is John trying to reveal to the reader at this time? Because he is appealing to the Greek, but also to the Hebrew listener at this time. And he is saying forth, in the beginning was the word. Beginning. 
a creation, before creation, the beginning of all things, was the Word, capital. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. You can put verse 3 up there, Boyne. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything that was made. This logos that John is referring to, he's referring to logos as Jesus. That Jesus was with God, Jesus was God, and Jesus was there from the very beginning, and this Jesus created all things. Now, this is like a, kind of a difficult concept. For maybe for some of us that have been in the church for like a while, this whole concept of God always being, God always was, we have just like accepted that concept and we're like, you know what, I don't fully understand it, but I, I know that God existed outside of time, God was before all things. And what John is doing here is that he's saying that, that the Son, that this Jesus, has always been. He created all things. He was there from the very beginning. He was with God, and he was God. Now, when I say this is a difficult concept, it's because it's like, well, but I thought Jesus came physically, right? Like, it's like Jesus stepped into time. Like, what about, what about that aspect? And it's like, well, that's what John's trying to be, to be teaching us here, that God stepped into time, but we need to understand who this Jesus was before all of time, before creation, before Adam and Eve. This Jesus has always been. He was God. He is God. And once again, I just, I understand this is somewhat difficult to wrap our physical minds around because we tend to think in the physical realm and this is a somewhat a difficult concept for a lot of people. Like, I don't understand how this could possibly be. Well, I may not understand all of it either, but John opens up his gospel with explaining to the reader that this Jesus has always been. And this Jesus is God, was God, and this Jesus created all things that we see here. And in verse 4, John says this, he says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. In him was life, and the life was light of men. We know that since Jesus has always been, that Jesus does give life, physical life. When, I mean, we can just, you and I, we are here right now. We have physical life with, within us. And he is already establishing here that this Jesus brought life. He is life and he is the light of all men. And it's not just physical because John here doesn't want us just to think, well, yes, Jesus did physically create all things. And all things were created through him. And what, um, this is just coming to me, in Colossians, all things were created through him, but also all things were created for him as well. He's, he wants us to understand that what takes place is that when, when the word came, when the life of all mankind came, that he was light, and that this light shined into the darkness of this world. That when Jesus came forth to be born of Mary, to be born underneath the, the Roman rule, to take on a physical body, that he stepped into the darkness. And the word is referencing, guess who the darkness is? He's not just saying it was a dark room, right? Like Jesus was born into dark. He speaks about the darkness of mankind. That, that the light and the life that has always been came and shined into the darkness in the Son, Jesus Christ. 
The world, us, you and me, we're the darkness. We're the sinfulness. But God came into the world for us. But in John's opening, he wants to remind us also that not only who this Jesus is, how he's always been, who he is, the creator, there was a man who was sent from God. Look at verse 6 through 8. It says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. John came forth, and John is a vital part of the, of the uh, historical facts of who Jesus was. But it says John was sent from God, and John had one job. John came, and he was here to bear witness about who the light was. Just basically saying, John's like, listen, I'm not the light. I'm coming to tell you who this man is. And as you read other gospel accounts, is that he came, he baptizing people for repentance and turning Israel. That was his job was to be turning Israel to the Messiah that was coming. And I share all of this because as we are thinking about who this Jesus is and this, this Christmas season, the Gospel of John, it's, it is a remarkable piece as you read this of just who Jesus is, what Jesus did, why did he come? He came to, to be shining the light. And look at verse 9 through 11. And it says, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Leave that verse up there. Think about this, guys. Try to wrap your minds around this. The world was made through him. That, that like, God of creation would somehow, and for for an amazing reason, step into time, that he would shine his light into human history, into this time. It says, the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Verse 11, he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. The creator of all things came to his own. Now, when the Bible says he came to his own, he is referencing to the Jewish people. Um, you and I, we have a hard concept here because we live in this melting pot of America and we don't really talk about our bloodlines and where we like to say like, come from here. But when you understand God's story, God's historical story from Genesis all the way up to the birth of Christ, God had chosen a people. He chose Abraham, and through Abraham, he was going to make a nation, and that nation would be his people, and through that nation, he would send his son to be the savior of the world. And it says here that Jesus came into his own people. He's referencing to the Jewish people, which we know that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He was born underneath the Jewish rule, Jewish, Jewish as in bloodline and religious background. And he came to his own. And it says they didn't even recognize him. They did not receive him. I want to talk briefly about that one word because that one word to receive him is vital for us understanding this entire story of who Jesus is. When it says he, they did not receive him, it means he, they did not take with. They did not accept. 
They did not take into fellowship the one who came for them. And what did they do with this one? When Jesus came, when the light shined into the darkness, into the darkness of mankind, did they throw a parade when Jesus was born? Did they even have a welcoming spot for Jesus? Was there a nice, beautiful place with nice walls and a nice place and a beautiful birthing area for, for, for Mary to be born? No. He was born in a manger. He was born as basically as a peasant at this time. He, he came, and the world did not give him any welcoming at, at this time. The people of, of Israel, now we do have a few accounts of the wise men and the shepherds, but for the most part, when he came to his own people, there was no welcoming party. That God of the universe, the one who created them, had stepped into time, and what do they do? Well, you guys know how the story ends in the Gospel of John and every other Gospel. They killed him. They did not receive him. They did not take into fellowship. They did not embrace him. They rejected him. They rejected him like what mankind has always done, like what we touched on last week. Mankind has always rejected the authority of God. Always. They've always have. They have they probably always will until they come to the realization of who this Christ is. But they rejected him. But look at verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. For those who did accept him, for those who did take into relationship and fellowship with him, they become children of God. As we think about Christmas this week, because I know all of you are probably thinking about Christmas this week, at least I don't know if you've been around town, there's people everywhere shopping for Christmas. Christmas is on everyone's mind. And, and I guess what I wanted to be getting through to us today is that as we think about this Christmas account, as we think about Christmas, I want us to be thinking about who we are receiving and celebrating about this Christmas. John opens up this gospel beautifully, explaining the entire background of, the, of who this Jesus truly is, that he's God. He's God in the flesh. He came to us. We rejected him. We killed him. But John here says, to all who did receive him, to all who did take into fellowship with him, to all who did accept him, they become children of God. And it's not children of God, is what John says, um, who are not born of blood, meaning you and I are not born into this. You're not just born into the church, and then, well, since I'm born into the church, I instantly become a child of God. He says, nor of blood, which means your parents cannot pass it down to you. This is not a parental thing where it's like, well, I, I had a kid and this kid automatically is born into the kingdom of God, into a child of God. It's not of the flesh, nor of the will of man, meaning mankind cannot make it happen. We cannot bore people or bear people into his kingdom. He says, people are born and become children of God. God is the one who does it. And God does it 
through his son Jesus to all who receive him. If you've ever read John, and I've shared this previously, John speaks in such a universal terms. It's so amazing. I'm not a universalist in the sense of all roads lead to heaven. I know that's like those coexist stickers out there, and I just want to like scrape them off. Like, <laughs> not true. Like, but I am a universalist in the sense of how God's word speaks about who can come in to his kingdom and come underneath him. John here says, put verse 12 back up there, Boyne. But to all, all, there's no, there's no barriers here. There's no like, well, if you're born in America, you're welcome to come in. But if you're from India, you're not allowed. To all, John speaks in universal terms here. But to all who did receive him, to all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. What I so badly want us to be celebrating this week, church family, and as we get ready for Christmas Day, and I'm, I'm sure all of you are going to get a present at some point, I, at least I, unless you're like a dad. Dads usually just don't, it's like, don't even get me anything, don't even worry about it, right? I see Jim over there nodding, he's like, she doesn't even know what I want. I want a specific tool, and she won't, she won't get it for me. I know that. Anyways, when you open up a present this year, I want us to be really thinking about verse 12. To all who did receive him. Jesus is truly the present. He's God in the flesh. He came. He has all authority. He created you. He knows you. And he came to the world, John says. He shined his light into the darkness. The darkness did not overcome it. The darkness did not win. The, the, the darkness killed him but he conquered everything. He shines his light into the world, and he says, to all who receive him, meaning to all who take into fellowship with him, to all who accept him, to, it's like a present given to us, and it's the most valuable present. It's a present that you can't buy, you can't earn, you can't make it happen, you can't will it into existence, it's from God, and he offers it to all of mankind. He says, here's the present of my son, my son who came for you, and it's our job to accept it. John says, to all who receive it. Now, if you've ever gotten a present before, you should know this, you actually have to take the present, right? You can't be like, well, I've got some presents underneath that tree, and I'm just going to leave the, the presents there. Jesus came, and if we receive him and believe in him, which means trust in him, Scripture says you become a child of God. Before, you weren't a child of God. And I, I've, I've said this line a ton of times from this pulpit, not everyone breathing is a child of God. That's a lie. It's not biblical, not even close. Some people are children of wrath, is what Scripture teaches us. Why? Because they haven't accepted the present of the Son, Jesus. But the offer and the invitation is for all. What I want us to be thinking about on Christmas morning or whenever you open up those presents that your family gets you and you're sitting there and you're holding that present this week, I want you to be thinking of the Son, the word that became flesh. 
God in heaven who came to dwell among us. He says, to all who received it, to all of us who just open up the present of the Son, Jesus, and receive it, and we, and we walk in fellowship with it, and we accept him. And it's not just a present that you take, and, and some people do this. They're like, well, I, I received Jesus at one point. It's not a present that you take and then you put on a shelf, right? Like, hey, I, hey, I got this great present. I'm just going to put it here. I'm just going to admire it. No, the Son came so that we can have life within us, the life which comes from him. And the, the gift and the offer is for mankind, church family. And I want us to be thinking about that this coming Christmas, is that as you open up that present, as you receive these earthly presents, think about the Son, the Son who's come to offer you eternal life, the Son that came to save your sinful soul. I know we don't like to be thinking in those terms, well, I'm not that. We are. But he came for us. That's where the great and good news is, is that the Son came for us. And we just have to receive him. Every year at about this time, your pastor reflects upon the last year. And I tend to spend time every year reflecting upon my own life typically, and saying, God, what did you do in my life this past year? How did you transform me? How did you be, be a changing me? Um, how, how have I grown in my walk with you? And sometimes it's like, well, oh man, I, I still feel very, very sinful, but I have to remember who this Jesus is. Said It's not even based on how great we are, or how well we improved, or what happened, or you know, if I just try harder this year, if I can just follow Jesus better, it has nothing to do with that. It's about receiving the Son, taking the present and the gift of the Son in to our lives every single day. It's not based on our abilities or efforts or good works or good deeds. And if I can just try harder, we need to be reminded, I would say daily, it's about receiving him. Simply that. Do you accept Jesus today? Do you accept him that he is God, that, that he was born in, into the flesh, that he came, that he died on that cross for our sins, and that he rose again? That's the present that we are, are truly celebrating, this Christmas church family. And I just wanted to encourage you with that today as you get ready to be celebrating Christmas with your friends and with your family like I said, when you hold that present Christmas morning, I so hope that these words come back to your mind. 112. But to all who did receive him, throw it on up there, Boyne, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Embrace Christ this Christmas, church family. Embrace the deity, the lordship, the authority of who this king is. Open up the present of Christ and cherish it deeply. Let me pray for us. And uh, as we pray, I'm going to ask the worship team to come and lead us one more time. But let me just pray for us this morning. Father, as we look to your word, Lord, help us. Help us, Lord, this Christmas season to truly see who you are. Lord, help us to 
simply receive your son Jesus and the gift that he has offered to mankind. Lord, I thank you for the work that you do within our lives, Lord, within your transforming power. And it all comes through your son. Lord, help us. Lord, we want to remember you and celebrate who you are and what you've done for us. Lord, I pray this now in Christ's name.